hey, hey. Thanks very much indeed for showing up for this episode 10 of the What's Racing About podcast. The Wrap, the podcast that ensures that you get the most out of UK and Irish horse racing. My name is Peter Bell, and in this episode, I'm going to throw out some ideas as to how rap listeners could improve their chances of making a dent in the totes tend to follow competition for the forthcoming jump season. For a podcast with the strapline of helping you get the most out of UK and Irish horse racing, an entry or a few entries into this competition really is a no-brainer. The idea is that you select stables of 10 horses from a predetermined list of 508 possible choices. And these horses score points for you over the course of the competition, which runs from the 13th of November this year, which is Paddy Power Gold Cup Day at Cheltenham, to the 9th of April 2022 and the Grand National at Aintree. Essentially, an entry in this competition buys you an interest in races throughout the five or so months over which the competition runs. Now, of course, you enter to win the thing. And if you do win, you're looking at a prize probably north of £100,000, with prize money running down to the top 500 stables when the competition finishes. There are also prizes for stables or entries, and I'm going to use those words interchangeably throughout this podcast, garnering the most points in December, January, February and March. And these monthly prizes aren't to be sniffed at either. Realistically, though, this is a competition that attracts thousands of entries from thousands of competitors, so the chances of us winning are what they are. However, there is real glory and bragging rights for ever and a day to be had if your name appears on the leaderboard, on the tote website, or in the Racing Post, who co-sponsors the competition. So, go with that thought when you're compiling your stables and making your entries. It's all about the glory, folks. Before I get into the strategy underpinning the entries you're going to make, it's worth focusing on some bits and pieces of elementary housekeeping first. It goes without saying you must have an account with the tote in order to play. Head on over to tote.co.uk and open an account with them if you don't already have one. It's a five minute process, it costs you nothing and it's a piece of cake even for an IT cretin such as myself. So you tech-savvy rap listeners will have no trouble at all with this part of the exercise. Having set up an account, it's worth having a tool about on the 10 to follow pages of the Totes website in order to familiarise yourselves with the key elements of the competition, and in particular, how the horses you select will score points, which I'll keep coming back to throughout this podcast. The other critical point you've got to take on board is that you must have your entries in by 11 o'clock in the morning of the 13th of November. You will need time to make your selections and then to undertake the data entry and payment process. And whilst I'm sure they've got IT whiz kids tripping out of their ears at Tote HQ and there will be no server crashes or the like on the morning of the 13th, nonetheless, there is a lot of pressure on the entry system in the hours leading up to the closing point. So it's probably best not leaving it until 10.59 on the morning of the 13th. Do, however, monitor the racing media over the next fortnight to take account of any season-threatening injuries of horses you may have shortlisted, or even to glean information on potential target races for your selections, and be prepared to be flexible and to substitute in new choices right up to the competition entry deadline. Okay, so there you are, sat at your PC, 508 horses to assess. Where does one start? 
I suggest we begin with focusing in on the 21 bonus point races over the season, where the winner of said races score an additional 25 points and the runner-up an additional 12. I have categorised those races into two groups, hurdles races and chase races, and then further subdivided those groups into three-mile slash three-mile plus races, two-and-a-half-mile races, and two-mile races, giving us six categories into which to drop each of these bonus races. Having done that, a whopping 10 out of the 21 bonus point races fall into the three-mile chase category. And okay, I've extended the parameter of that a little bit to include the longest distance chases, such as the Grand National and the Welsh Grand National, but I suggest that four or five horses in your stables comprise high-class animals that are set to be contesting these high-value, classy, longer-distance chases. But at this stage, do not focus on trying to find the winner of the Grand National, for reasons I'll go into in a minute. If you yourself go through this categorization of bonus races by race type and distance, you'll see that there are three top-class two-mile hurdles and a similar number of top two-mile chases. And again, this should lead you into a secondary focus on horses likely to be contesting these shorter distance races. In undertaking this categorization of races, it's also worth pointing out only three bonus point races, and those are the Savills Chase, the Irish Gold Cup, and the Irish Champion Hurdle are held in Ireland, with the other 18 run at English courses. Now, obviously, horses do compete across borders, and one of the great talking points in racing at present is the domination of Irish-trained horses at the Cheltenham Festival in March, which is a neat segue into highlighting the importance of the transfer window between the 7th and the 14th of March, immediately prior to the Cheltenham Festival, when you're able to replace two horses in each of your stables with two new selections. It's during this transfer window that I would consider substituting in potential Irish-trained hot pots for the Cheltenham bonus points races, as well as turning your attention to potential Grand National winners at Aintree later on in April. To put it succinctly, at this stage, I'd be focusing initially on horses that can do the business for you from November to the end of February, and not get too hung up and bogged down in trying to find Cheltenham and Aintree Festival winners at this stage in early November. Oh, One further point regarding the categorisation of the bonus point races. Only the Arkle Chase and the race formerly known as the RSA Chase are bonus points races purely for novice chasers, so that's first season chasers. So again, my focus in selecting my stables would always be on young, top class, second or at a push, third season, three mile chasers as a priority. If you do go with the logic I've just outlined, you begin to whittle down the list to a more manageable number of selections. Now, attentive listeners will have clocked I keep on talking about your stables or entries in the plural. So whilst, yes, you can spend just a fiver on one list of horses, and that's an entry into the game and will buy you an interest, I think I'm podcasting to an audience with a bit more pizzazz and a bit more ambition and an all-round interest in our wonderful sport, than to go into battle merely with one entry. In fact, I'd go as far as to suggest you do take the competition seriously and make several entries, always commensurate, of course, with your disposable income. It's worthwhile at this stage underlining you will be up against big hitters and syndicates who will make, in some cases, many hundreds of entries. And I'm going to manage your expectations at this point, Competition winners generally come from these types. Their tactics seem to me to be to select between 12 and 15 horses 
and then perm them all in every possible combination. For players at a more modest levels, and I'm making a thoroughly overarching assumption and saying this is likely to be the bulk of rap listeners, the temptation is to enter several stables with 10 different horses in each list in the hope that one entry has the magic formula of a load of high-scoring horses in the right combination or perm. And if it doesn't, well, you've got 50 to 100 horses, say, to give you an interest in virtually every big race and race day between November and April. Well, okay, that's one way to go, but I would suggest it's more worthwhile to identify a core of six or seven horses that you're going to have in every single one of your stables. These are, if you like, the obvious point scorers in inverted commas in the various categories that I've outlined. So in other words, your honeysuckles, your manila indos, your shiskins, appreciate it and the like. You can't afford to ignore these selections entirely unless you truly are Mystic Meg. However, for the smaller stakes player, I'd like to introduce the concept of the differentiator. The differentiator is essentially the horse or horses that will differentiate your entry from the bulk of the rest of the entries. And it does allow you to get a bit creative with three or four entries on top of your six or seven more solid, though predictable banker selections. Now, what the hell am I twitting on about in talking about a differentiator? Well, it's a dark horse, a left field choice, if you will. Essentially one that your fellow competitors may overlook because of some innate prejudice they hold or because they haven't spotted something that you have. These horses are by definition specific to you and your method of selection. But one route you may wish to explore to arrive at some differentiators that stand a good chance of pulling down big points for you is to focus on good class horses with trainers outside of the very top echelon. So people like Willie Mullins, Gordon Elliott, Henry de Bromhead, Paul Nichols, the Nicky Hendersons of this world whose inmates tend to be overselected in the tent to follow competition. So the stables I'm talking about here are trainers such as John Joe O'Neill, Kim Bailey, Fergal O'Brien, Emma Lavelle, Jesse Harrington over in Ireland, and in particular I'd like to focus on northern-based trainers such as Donald McCain, he's undergoing something of a renaissance this season it seems, Nicky Richards, Lucinda Russell, those are trainers whose inmates may well pick up some valuable but less heavily contested races in the North and in Scotland throughout the course of the competition. I also mentioned back there exploiting prejudices of your fellow punters. Now, I'd guess the average demographic of the tent to follow punter is a male age 60 plus. Individuals who may, emphasise may, still harbour lingering prejudices against female trainers. Many competitors will go with established, older but well-known horses who may be past their peak and not bother checking out the form of younger horses on the up and still ahead of the handicapper. Some competitors may be prejudiced against mares. Some competitors may overlook stables operating at high winner-to-runner ratio, such as those of Dr. Richard Newland and Anthony Honeyball. Remember, all you're looking for here is to exploit irrational prejudices or lazy thinking in your fellow competitors as a starting point. And off the back of that, the sift and sort software on the tote website will enable you to find the horses that fulfill your criteria, which run counter to the prejudices that you've identified. Now, arguably, it's this element of selecting horses for your stable which is the most interesting and potentially the most fulfilling. So just imagine landing on Dirasha Counter or Cloth Cap in the last couple of years and watching them go on to win the Ladbrook Trophy to deliver you a hatful of points and get your competition off to a flyer before the end of November. 
Having mentioned the Labbrook Trophy, which is run at Newbury at the end of November, this is the second major bonus points race, the first being the Betfair Chase at Haydock, run this year on the 20th of November. But the Labbrook is one worth focusing on, since it's likely to feature horses not quite yet in the top flight of three-mile chasers. And I hope you'll forgive me for forgetting great past winners of this race, such as Native River, Bobsworth, Denman, all who went on to win the Gold Cup, but all are fading in the rearview mirror somewhat now. Second season chasers often come to the fore in this race. Basically, what I'm suggesting is this race could be full of differentiators. And if you perm, say, the first four in the betting for the Ladbrook across your entries, you could be off to a flyer. In addition, following this plan of action, the selections you make for the race are likely to be horses competing in some valuable three-mile handicap chases later on in the season. Currently, these selections would be the likes of Enrillo, Cloth Cap again, Fiddler on the Roof, and Shan Blue. And as a total aside, I think Shan Blue is massively overpriced at 50 to 1 plus for the King George Chase on Boxing Day. But all that's for another podcast. So riffing on this theme of focusing in on early races in the competition, where the likely competitors are already known, before you make your competition entries, I'd also give serious consideration to perming in a differentiator or two from the market leaders in the Paddy Power Gold Cup and the Greatwood Hurdle, which are run on the afternoon of and the day after the competition starts on the 13th of November. For a start, you know your selections will definitely be running in these two valuable races, and you've got a rough idea of their starting price. So again, a perm of market leaders might, emphasise might, see others having to play catch-up even after the first weekend of the competition, if you do hit the winners of these races. By the way, I'm suggesting focusing just at the head of the market for these races, because anything lower down in the betting might not be in the 508 horses you can choose from anyway. And more importantly, a bigger selection of competitors in these early valuable races means that the cost of your entry is going to skyrocket as you try and include high numbers of these differentiators, as I'm calling them, to go with your six or seven bankers. So is everyone happy with the logic so far? Okay, you could draw stumps at this point in the podcast, Don't, please, because in the next few minutes, I'm going to get really esoteric on you all and aim squarely at those who are thinkers outside of the box. I'm going to lob in the otherworldly idea that you may want to devote a couple of entries to trying to win the January and February monthly prizes. Tilt, rewind, go subroutine. Has the podcast guy lost what few marbles he once possessed? What fresh madness is this? Okay, just float with me on this for a while. For starters, most competitors will, quite correctly, be shooting at the big overall winner's prize, which, to reiterate, was over £100,000 last season. Therefore, reverse logic dictates that you face less competition if a couple of your stables are skewed in favour of having a dart purely at a monthly prize. Secondly, it's likely to be consistently soft or heavy going during these months. Hopefully not bad enough ground for there to be no jumps racing at all, but a perm of known mudlarks might rack up points as if from nowhere during the January and February period. And, in fact, if you want to get really far out on this one, what about a perm of six to eight horses trained by Venetia Williams, a trainer who usually fires in any number of winners when the mud is flying in the deep midwinter? She has 10 horses to choose from the 508 available. And whilst the likes of Royal Pagai and Sepage may well have the class and be well-placed enough by Ms. Williams to pick up points at any point throughout the season, relative unknowns such as Cloudy Glen, Akil, 
Farinet and Espoir de Guy are also available. And I bet they won't be picked by many competitors and certainly not all in the same list. Finally, there are no bonus point races in January. So a list comprised of, inverted commas, lesser horses from stables who historically do well in January or who are proven mudlarks could garner points whilst the big guns are resting up after their Christmas exertions or before their Cheltenham prep races in February or specifically at the Dublin Racing Festival in February. Speaking of February then, once again, there's only the Irish Champion Hurdle, the Irish Gold Cup and the Betfair Hurdle as bonus point races in this month. Now, it's easy to talk about Honeysuckle being a banker for the first of those races, but on all known form she will be, at least at this stage in the proceedings. The Irish Gold Cup should be won by one of your six or seven banker horses in your stables, but the Betfair Hurdle this far out is something of a lottery. However, If you take my earlier advice and throw in a few darts at runners in the Greatwood Hurdle on November the 14th at Cheltenham, then these are the types, high-class, two-mile handicap hurdlers, that could be competing in the Betfair Hurdle in February. Now these, plus a few of the mudlarks I was on about a few minutes ago, at least make some kind of a logical case for such a stable scoring plenty of points in February. Once again, I'm fully aware this podcast is asking a lot from you, the listener, to take all this in from a verbal-only medium. Therefore, I will be summarising the points I've made here in a blog post, which I'll put up on my website, which is now launched, www.rap.chat. Rap.chat gives no returns in a Google search. Basically, it hasn't been around long enough to score on Google search engine optimised software. So you'll need to type rap.chat into the address bar at the top of your browser and hit enter to get yourself to my website. Then you'll need to follow the links through to the blog, which I'm going to be putting up shortly, summarising the points I've made in this podcast. So that was all fairly sort of short and sweet for this episode. I hope it gives you a strategy with which to make your choices for this competition. Do put together a few entries for the reasons that I've outlined, because guaranteed you'll have fun following the fates of each of your stables and the horses in them over the next few months. I've deliberately mentioned very few specific horses because the fun of this is for you to sort out who you think are going to bring home the bacon before you press the send button at some point before 11 o'clock in the morning on the 13th of November. So good luck with the competition and thanks for listening to this podcast. I don't want your money, but your time to me is very precious and it certainly is never taken lightly. Okay, for now, until the next podcast, that's a wrap.